Amen. I read today from Genesis chapter 32, verse 24 through 29. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let you go except you bless me. And he said unto him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray you, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. He blessed him there. I want to preach a few minutes this afternoon, if the Lord will help me on this thought. Marked, but blessed. Praise God. Marked, but blessed. One more time, clap your hands unto the Lord. Let's worship Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. Verse 28 from another version of Scripture, it says, Your name shall be called no more Jacob or supplanter, but Israel or contender with God. For you have contended and have power with God and with men, and you have prevailed. I find in Scripture that God had a very special love for Jacob. And it was not because that Jacob was a perfect man, but it was because Jacob was a contender. There, there's a vein that I have already picked up from the first night through Sunday morning, Sunday night, and even today in the minister sessions. There's some things that keep coming through some of the messages that we are hearing. And I believe it is an effort by God to help each of us face our humanity and become very honest and transparent with one another to the point that we can allow God to do the work in our life that he really wants to do. Amen. I find in Scripture that men were not judged in Scripture by what they were or by the things that they did, but they were judged by what they allowed God to do in their life. Now we can, we can shout about the great victories of the great men of Scripture. But when you go back and you study their life, you're going to find that they were not always the paragon of perfection. And they were not always the best examples of everything that was righteous and holy. But somewhere in the course of their walk with God and their relationship with God, they opened themselves up and allowed God to do a work in their life that caused them to become the men that we preach about today as men of great victory and men of great valor. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm glad the Lord didn't wash, whitewash the warts and whitewash all uh, of the of the things that we see as negatives. But he left them there to help you and I understand that as they were men, so are we men. But as he was God, so is he still God today. And the work that he did in their lives, he can do in our lives. So that a greater work of the Spirit can be done in the generation that we are living in. Clap your hands into the Lord. Hallelujah. It is said in Romans chapter 9 and 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, 
but Esau have I hated. The contrast of Esau is found in Hebrews chapter 12. He said, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. So you've got the contrast of a man that was not perfect, but allowed God to do a work in his life. You have his brother that could have been much different had he allowed the Lord to do what in his life, what God did in Jacob's life. God help each of us to submit ourself to the mighty hand of a merciful God and a kind God and a loving God that wants to do something in us that will make us more effective in the generation that we are living in today. Amen. But the booker mentioned about his greatest desire. If there was one button that could be pushed, I, I concur wholeheartedly with him. But I also believe that we could take it a step further and declare that we could see that greater revival if the apostolic movement would become honest with one another and we would not be so uh, given to hiding ourselves behind certain faces uh, that we feel we have confidence in our flesh or confidence in our abilities and we would let the Holy Ghost begin to move in our spirit and do something in us that is going to bring us to a place in God that when we walk among the men of our world that we affect the way they think we affect the way they feel we affect their perception of God and the things of God I'm not going to take a lot of time today to try to reiterate Jacob's life. But just very briefly, we know about Jacob from the very beginning, his contending spirit. How that even from the womb, he reached out and grasped the heel of his brother. We know that he was a man that contended for whatever he felt that he was able to get, that he thought maybe was rightfully his. We know that he purchased the birthright. We know that through a conspiracy with his mother, that he circumvented the normal procedure and he took the blessing of the firstborn. We also know that when he went to Laban's house that it was there in Laban's house that he bargained and he worked his own manner and his own talents in order to become a very wealthy man. We also know that on his way to Laban's house he was bargaining with God saying if you will bring me back to this place then I will give to you the tenth. All I'm saying is that here is a man that's spending a, a great deal of his life endeavoring to, to try to get everything he could get his hands on through carnal efforts and through the means of the flesh his own ability and his own talents now we find Jacob returning and everything has come full circle he's faced with seeing his brother again and he is afraid he does everything and he can that he can to prepare the way for that eventual face-to-face -face confrontation. And it is here that we see Jacob left alone with God. It's in this quiet solitude that we find ourselves in a special time of experience with God. When you and I reach a place as Jacob reached, when there is nothing left to cling to, and there is nothing left to depend upon, and there is nothing that can drown out the feelings of conviction that's in our spirit. We are like Elijah standing on the mountainside. He experiences the wind. He experiences the fire. He experiences the earthquake. But not until there is that quiet solitude of experience that he heard a still small voice saying, what do you hear? I'm going to submit to this camp meeting today that there is a place that you and I can get to where answers that we have desired to have for a lifetime can be given to us. But it may not be the place that we want it to be. And it may not be what we desired from the outset. But it's the place that God puts us in. Hallelujah. Psalm 73. We 
that's a faithful psalm. And so many of us have back, we preached about it, talked about it, testified about it. But in Psalm 73, without reading the psalm, we find a soul that's looking abroad upon the world. And he's reasoning upon the things that he sees there. In fact, he's reasoning to such an extent that he is almost tempted to say it was vain to serve the Lord at all. He begins by saying, truly God is good to Israel and to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps were well nigh slipped. When I thought to know this, he said in verse 16, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. And we read about this man that struggled with all the things he saw externally. But there's a sister psalm that is somewhat of a contrast to that one. And that's Psalm 77. Because when you read that psalm, you see a soul that's looking inward. And reasoning by what he sees on the inside of him. As a matter of fact, he reasons to such an extent that he begins to question the continuance of God's grace in his life. Because he sees his weakness and he sees his humanity and the flesh that he struggles with. And that psalmist wraps it all up by saying in verse 13, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? What was the remedy for both of these men? The remedy was the sanctuary. When I look outside and I don't have answers, when I look beyond in the external world and I don't know which way to go and I look inside and I see my own flesh and my own humanity then I have to ask myself the question why and how until I find the sanctuary of God until I find the place where I can enter into the very presence of my God and there I understand some things that I never understood before I am convinced that that is why in Psalms 103 and 7 that the scripture said he made his ways known unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. The reason Moses knew his ways was because of the fact that he often went outside the camp to the tabernacle and he met with God. Verse 11 of Exodus 33, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man departed not out of the tabernacle. Here is a man that finds out the ways of God. He just doesn't know the acts of God as Israel did. He knew why God did what he did. And I don't know how you feel to day but I don't want to just see what God does but I'd like to be in a little bit higher dimension of understanding that I can know why God has done it that I can understand the reasons why I have seen the actions of God I want to know more than his ways or more than his acts I want to know the ways of God and the ways of God are often found in the sanctuary the ways of God are often found in that lonely place that lonely spot of life that time that you're not really expecting things to be as you thought they might be Jacob thought that he was spending the night alone he thought this would be my final night before I have to meet the situation that I left some 20 plus years ago. This is going to be the night that I'm going to have to deal with some things. The next day, the dawning of this next day is going to bring either life or death. He thought he was alone, but he wasn't alone. And I'll just interject right here, friend. It's when you think you're alone that you really are not alone. 
It's in that quiet solitude. It's in that sanctuary where you meet up with God. And it's at that point in time when God begins to work a work. When God begins to create something within your spirit that you can't find when you're down there in Laban's house. And you can't find when you're circumventing the normal procedures and you're getting the blessing of the firstborn. But whenever you're bargaining with your brother and you're buying the birthright, there's something about that night being alone in God that God begins to do a work in your spirit that changes you for your lifetime. Come on, let me talk to you from my heart today. Let me speak to you from my spirit. This is where Jacob was. It was his sanctuary. It was a lonely spot. And it was a place where a wrestling match takes place. The message or or the passage of scripture does not give us, I am convinced, it does not give us a detailed description of Jacob persevering with God in prayer. At this moment in time, and just stay with me for a few minutes, I do believe that he did contend, and I do believe that he persevered, but it's not at the outset that that is what is taking place. It is made clear with the expression that there wrestled a man with him. It is. It does not say that Jacob wrestled with the man, because if it said that, it would give us a completely different aspect to the scene before us. But it says they wrestled with him a man. And so what I'm seeing here is that this this particular uh, lesson or story doesn't prove Jacob's power in prayer at the outset. What it rather proves is the tenacity with which Jacob held on and grasped the flesh. The things of the flesh. In fact, he was so firmly convinced in his confidence in the flesh that this struggle began all in the early evening and lasted all night long. All night the supplanter held out. All night the conniver held out. And it wasn't until that the early morning hours began to break that the very seat of his strength was touched. And it changed the whole dynamics of the experience. Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me. Hallelujah. You're a great God. I honor you right now. Amen. I believe that this is the obvious teaching Uh, of the word of God right here instead of Jacob's patience instead of Jacob's perseverance in prayer what we really have here is God's patience in dealing with a man who needed to have his old man crushed who needed to have this old man crushed to the very dust so that God could make something out of him so that God could affect his life for the future That he could finally become the man that God so desired him to be. I am convinced, amen, that it is in this momentous scene that it gives us the grand turning point of this life, of this extraordinary man. I am telling you that Jacob, in that very night, when he held on, and that wrestling match took place, and God was so, I'm going to tell you, God's patient with us. You hear me? I said God's patient with us. God struggles with us. I'm going to tell you, I believe that sin is not God's greatest struggle with us. It is not God's greatest battle with us. It's our flesh. It's our humanity that God struggles with more than anything else. Oh, I don't want to get off on rabbit trails, but it reminds me of Israel coming out of the land of Egypt and how that the very first battle the very first battle that they encountered was with the Amalekites amen who were the descendants of Esau and the Amalekites in scripture represent 
the flesh represent everything that is identified with the flesh when they came through the Red Sea and they were baptized in the cloud and they were baptized in the water unto Moses as they made their way toward the promised land the first battle that they have to fight is with Amalekite amen that which represents the flesh and I'm just going to tell you friend when you live for God it won't be the devil that you'll have your greatest battle with and it won't be the world you'll have your greatest battle with it'll be your old man it'll be your old flesh hallelujah and Moses understood what he was going to take to win that battle for he stood on the mountain with his hands outstretched and as long as he stood with his hands outstretched the battle was won the battle was going in the favor of God's people but the minute that his hands dropped the battle went in the favor of the Amalekites and the minute you quit praying come on now the minute you the minute you leave your sanctuary the minute that you forsake your house of prayer it's going to be the day that flesh is going to start winning the battle and flesh is going to be overcoming you oh god let me stand in a higher place with my hands upstretched toward heaven and say here i am lord somebody praise him right now hallelujah 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 Jacob realizes my my self-confidence is gone all of his bargaining is now availing him nothing amen I'm sure that now standing there with that with that man whatever it was that was wrestling with him he realized how miserable everything had ever been even the tenth that he promised God he'd give. It all just seems like something here is happening that's greater than any bargain I've ever tried to make with God or with anybody else. And so the mighty wrestler, whenever he touched Jacob and the hollow of his thigh shrank. And he, he realized I've been injured and I've been weakened. I'm not the man that I was when I started this wrestling match. I'm not the man that I was whenever this, whatever it is, took a hold of me. Something has happened. Amen. And here is, here is Jacob. And he hears the mighty wrestler say, let me go for the day breaks. Oh, what? What a striking expression. Let me go. I'm going to submit to you that I am convinced that this is the defining moment of Jacob's entire life. Jacob was marked by his experience. Jacob had been affected by the wrestling match. And now he is being told, let me go. And something inside of Jacob rose up and said, no, no, I'm marked. And I just want you to know, I don't mind being marked by my experience. But whatever you do before you go, you're going to have to give me a blessing. I'm not going to go through this and just be a marked man the rest of my life. I'm not going to go through this and be a man marked by what I've had to deal with. But I want the blessing. I want whatever it is that you're going to give to me as a result of what I've gone through. You can mark me, but you're going to bless me. Hallelujah. I said, you can mark me, but you're going to bless me. God, if I got to unwrap this strangely wrapped gift. Oh, God, this is not the way I thought that you would do it. This is not what I had in mind. But God, if I'm going to be marked, if I'm going to have to deal with this, then I'm telling you now, I want a blessing that goes with it. I want the revival that goes with it. I want the souls that go with it. I want the ministry that goes with it (laughs) 
Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Jacob could have left that experience that day a marked man, but not a changed man. Said he could have left that place that day a marked man. He could have left the brook. He could have left the lonely place. He could have left the place where he was exhausted from what he had had to deal with all night long. No sleep, no rest, just a wrestling match. He could have walked away from there, but something inside of him said, this is my moment. And if I've ever prevailed, I'm going to prevail now. If I have ever contended, I'm going to contend now. God, amen. I know everybody's going to wonder what's wrong. Everybody's going to wonder when they see me coming out of this place. When they, They're going to wonder what happened. Uh, I'm going to tell you, friend, I got a feeling that when Jacob came across that brook the next day and he was dragging his feet, he was dragging that leg, he was marked. There were probably those that ran to him and said, what's wrong, Jacob? What happened to you? And I got a feeling Jacob said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? All I can tell you is, I got a new name. I got a new name. My name's not Supplanter. My name's not Conniver. My name is Israel. Oh, don't worry about this limp. Don't worry about this mark. Don't worry about my experience. I got my blessing. Clap your hands, clap your hands, hallelujah. Has this been ever the way that God has worked with men? Has this been ever the way that God has endeavored to bring something out of our wounding out of our grief out of our sorrow is this the way god has done things from the beginning has it not has not wounding in the flesh brought greater blessings it appears that it would be so even from the beginning you see sometimes we think that that what we're going through and 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 the experience that we're having to deal with that that is because of maybe something we did that we could have done better or something that we should have done that, that we didn't do or we make and look at it as possibility i know there are things that we we reap what we sow but it's not always a reaping amen i think sometimes it's just the fact that god is looking at us and god is saying i like you the way you are but i i'm looking for something better i'm looking for something greater and whatever it takes i want to tell him, oh help me jesus hallelujah be you saint or be you preacher i'm going to tell you today listen to me friend there's going to be a hour when you're going to find yourself wrestling and you're going to be saying I can do this I can do this I can do it on my own I don't need anybody else and the Lord is going to say boy I'm going to have to crush your flesh I'm going to have to crush your abilities I'm going to have to crush your talents because I want you to understand that it's not by might and neither is it by power but it's by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts I want to do something that eye has not seen ear has not heard We think this might have happened because of something we did or didn't do. But I got to tell you, and I hope I'm not stepping outside the boundaries of scriptural truths, but I just have to tell you, if Jesus was the second man, Adam, and he bore scars in his side, in his hands, and in his feet, what about Adam? He was in the garden. There was no sin. There was no vile 
unholy, immoral, no unrighteousness. All it was was flesh. All it was was the man that God had made. And God looked at the man and said, I like what I've made, but it's not good that man should be alone. And the word of the Lord said, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. These scriptures attracted my attention a few days ago. And I thought about, about this. And, I, and, and, I, and I, I did a little bit of reading and I probably didn't do as much as I should have. But there are those that feel like that this sleep that Adam was, was placed in was not a sleep to a point where he was completely unconscious. But it was more of a trance. It was a, a state where that he may have ever, may have been very aware of what was going on. And, and I believe there's enough scripture to possibly, uh, support that. If not, then just, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I apologize if I'm taking too much liberty here. But, but Adam did say after verse 22, the rib, which the Lord had taken from man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. It first said that he took one of his ribs and then he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And he said, now, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I just have to ask the question, did Adam see what was going on? Did Adam, did Adam see as the Lord opened up his side? Did Adam see, amen, something taking place? Hallelujah. And God bringing something out of him. And when God brought it out, it was just a bone. But when God got through with what he brought out of him, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, God could have done for Eve what he did for Adam. He could have made her out of the dust. He could have, he could have created her as he did Adam. But God said, no, that's not the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to reach into this man and I'm going to bring something out. And when I get it out of him, it's going to become greater than what it was on the inside of him. And I'm challenging you today, friend, that God knows what he's doing. I said God knows what he's doing. If he, if he has, if he has sliced you open, if he has opened up your side and God's reaching in. Come on now. Was there a scar? I, I, I'm just going to tell you, if he was the first man, Adam, and Jesus was the second man, Adam, and Jesus bore the scars after Calvary. And we know what Calvary bought. Oh, hallelujah. I said, we know what Calvary purchased. It's sitting right here on these pews here this afternoon. All across this house. Once drug addicts, ex-alcoholics, ex-people living in a, in a horrible life of sin. And here you are today because there was one put on Calvary that his side was his hands were nailed is it possible that is it possible Adam looked at the scar and saw the woman oh God you're a great God you marked me, but look at my blessing. Hallelujah. And this is before there was sin. This is before there was a fall. You hear me? It's not always because something's bad in your life. Sometimes it's just God saying, you're, it's not good that you be alone where you are. I want to do something. I want to do something. Listen, God could do anything. You hear me? God could give us revival without pain. He could give us a great work of the Spirit without the suffering and the sorrow. But sometimes God is going to mark us. And what God wants to know is... Are you going to hang on long enough to get the blessing? Are you going to hang on long enough to see the work that I want to do in your life? Amen. I told you I couldn't preach Except from where I am today. But I feel a boldness in the Holy Ghost right now. 
I said, I feel a boldness in the Holy Ghost right now. God, I feel you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm just going to tell you, if I, if I had been the one that was choosing the way it was going to be done. I don't want to sound boastful. I don't want to sound spiritual. I mean, you have to forgive me, but I just got to tell you, I already knew. I already knew Friday night before the accident on Saturday. I saw the accident. I saw it, and I didn't plan to say this, but I feel somebody needs to hear this here today. I saw the accident. I saw the car rolling, and I knew the outcome was not going to be good. I called my grandson that night. Forgive me, Daddy and Mom. I'm sorry. I just got to preach what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I called him late that night, and I said, Trenton, you got to drive careful. you got to drive easy. Y'all got to be careful on the road. I called him again early on Saturday morning. While he was on the road home, and I reiterated again, I was so disturbed. I sat on pins and needles all that day until the call came. I'm just going to tell you, friend, if I had been the one choosing the package, if I had been the one choosing the way I wanted it wrapped, it wouldn't have been the way that God brought it to me. But I'm going to tell you, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you that since that time, I'm going to tell you that walls have been coming down. He come almost I have seen God mending relationships. I have seen God putting some things back together. I have seen preachers as they have made things right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have been told about five backsliders that prayed through to the Holy Ghost during the service, the homegoing service. And one man that had never received the Holy Ghost got the Holy Ghost that day from a church not very far from ours. Not only that, but since that time, this past Sunday night, there was a woman that had contacted my daughter-in-law. And he, she said to, to her, she said, I've been backslid for several years. I let bitterness get in my heart. She told us what state she was from and where she's currently living and she said the testimony i don't know i know your father-in-law i've heard him preach on numerous occasions she said but i've been backslid for several years because i let bitterness get in my heart she said but the testimony of your son and your faith that i have seen in god throughout all of this she said i'm going back to church and sunday night she was back in church and prayed back through the holy ghost come on give me a few more minutes here today i'm just telling you you gotta hold on it may not feel good right now and the wrestling match may be going on but god's saying i'm just hoping I'm just hoping that you don't turn me loose before I give you the blessing. I hope you don't turn me loose before I do the work that I really want to do in your life. This past Sunday morning at home, I was already here. My wife, my son, sent me information. Four backsliders prayed back through Sunday morning at home. One of them that had been backslid for probably a man 12 or 15 years and stood up and said, I'm glad I'm home. So glad I'm home. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Does that change? Does that change the mark? No. Does that change? But I'll tell you what it does do. It gets my eyes a little bit off the mark. It gets my eyes a little bit off the pain. And it says, Jesus, you know what you're doing. Oh, send the blessing. Send revival. Turn this nation upside down. Shake the foundations of the apostolic church to revival. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
I told my son at the service when I brought him up to say the final words. I said, son, I said, we're already hearing what God is doing. And I said, I want to tell you something. If God has chosen our family to suffer this pain and this sorrow so that his kingdom can be enlarged and he can be glorified, we'll bear the pain and we'll carry the sorrow. It's not what I want, but if it's what he wants, not my will, but your will be done. I'm just telling you here today, friend. I'm I'm not standing up here fishing for sympathy. Hallelujah. You have been so good. And all across America, Holy Ghost Radio, y'all that are listening on the Holy Ghost Radio, thank you, thank you, thank you. You have been, it's been overwhelming. But all I can tell you is, I feel like a marked man today, but I feel like a blessed man. I feel like a blessed man. I feel like a man that's found something in God that I never found before. I feel like there's a blessing that I've never seen in my entire life. For the Booker, forgive me for re- referring again to you and to your message. But I'm not going to take the time to talk about Job as he did. But there is something... There is something about Job that we don't ever talk about. There is something about Job that we don't really preach about. And it's the reason is because sometimes these things are not seen in Scripture. They're not read about in Scripture. But I have to tell you that I know what a sore boil will do to a man's skin. I've had them on my body. I can remember when I was a child... I had one on this arm that swelled my arm from here all the way down to my wrist. I can remember the pain of as if it were yesterday. And I remember what I went through. I had boils. When I was about 13 or 14, I had them under my arms. And I had to walk around like this. I know what a sore boil is. And I know what it can do. I've got, I've got, a, I've got a scar right here on my arm that's still there to today. I was think I was probably about... 10 or 11, 12 years old when I had that, 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 uh, that boil on my arm. And here the Bible tells us that he was covered with sore boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. The one thing we don't read about in Job's story is we don't read with the booker about the scars that had left on his hands. Amen. When he stood at the window and had his hands on the casement of the window and he looked out to see the flocks and the herds that God had blessed him with. The hands were covered with scars. It left scars on that man's body. It left effect on that man's body. But I'm going to tell you right now, Job, it becomes obvious that he doesn't emphasize his scars. And he doesn't emphasize uh, that which the effect that it had upon his body. But he talked about his God. And he said this, he said, I have heard him by the hearing of the ear. But now mine eyes have seen him. I'm going to tell you, friend, when you're going through the trial, when you're going through the fire, God will show you things that you never saw before. Hey, Daddy, what's those scars on your hands? What's those, what's those marks? They're all over. They're on your fingers. They're on your arms. Oh, baby. Let me just tell you what that represents. That represents my faith in God. That represents my confidence in God. He said, what do you mean, Daddy? Those scars? Oh, yeah. Because when I was covered with those sore boils, and I, and I said... I wish I could find God. I look on the right and I can't find him. And I look on the left and I can't find him. I'm looking in front of me and behind me and I can't find God anywhere. When the boils 
Let me just pause long enough and tell you a little something here. That Job didn't find comfort in his friends. Job didn't find help as we've already heard. You know what Job found comfort in? The Bible said he took a, a potsherd. He took a potsherd, I believe is the way you pronounce it. Amen. And he scraped his body. What is a potsherd? It is a piece of broken pottery. The only thing that could bring Job relief in the midst of his trial was something that had already been broken. And I'm just going to tell you, child of God, if you've ever been broke before, hang on. Somewhere down the line, God will use you to bring comfort to somebody else. God will use you to help relieve the stress and the pain and the agony of what they're going through at that very moment in time. Job said, I couldn't find him. What do you mean, Daddy, that represents your faith? He said, because when I couldn't find God anywhere, I told him. I told everybody around me, the Lord knows the way I take. And when I'm tried, I'm coming out as gold tried in the fire. Hallelujah. I may carry scars. I may be marked by my experience. But when I come out, I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed. Hallelujah. I'm going to be blessed. It's not going to be, it's not going to be pewter that can melt at the lowest of heat, but it's going to be gold that's been refined. I'm preaching to somebody here today. Hang on. You may be in the darkest hour of your life, but God's reaching inside of you and trying to bring something out. God's reaching inside of you and trying to develop something greater than what you are. hallelujah sometimes it's the most precious things the most valuable things that come as a result of brokenness being crushed the wise men brought to Jesus gold frankincense and myrrh they brought gold that is normally mined An incision is made in the earth and it's extracted. Frankincense is a resinous subject substance that's obtained from certain trees of the family of the balsams. And to obtain the frankincense, an incision is made through the bark of the tree deep in the trunk. And a strip of bark is peeled off. And they extract that substance that was so valuable in that time. Myrrh comes from one of the most valuable of the gum resins. Either naturally or when the stems are injured, the gum oozes from the shrub-like tree. The gifts that were brought to Jesus at his birth, hallelujah, were gifts that were valuable and they were precious. But the everyone came because of a breaking and because of a rending and because of a crushing. Hallelujah. I'm just going to tell you what God wants out of us. Sometimes the only way he can get precious things is if he crushes us. If he breaks us. If he strips the bark off of our life. And he makes a deep incision. And he lets the sweet nectar of the experience begin to flow out. And begin to impact the lives of others. I'm closing. And I'm really closing on the same note that Brother Booker did. Paul said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that was given to me. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory 
in my infirmities. The power of Christ. Oh, glory to God. Oh, the power of Christ to rest on me. God, I don't care what you have to do. Just give me the power of Christ upon my life. He said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. A new friend, a very dear friend that God gave me in my life just a few days prior to the onset of our time of struggle, sorrow, and pain. He sent this to me. He said, thorns accompany the fall of the first man, Adam, and the lifting up of the last man, Adam. Thorns accompanied both. He said, he just, God, God keeps just enough of our weaknesses exposed to make his strength complete in order to minimize self-glorying and maximize glorying in him. Hallelujah. God keeps just enough of our weakness exposed to make his strength complete. I just want to, I want to say something. Not just to this camp meeting, but forgive me if it sounds presumptuous to take this position today, but I pray God let it be felt and heard in the spirit that I'm offering it. I'm going to tell you something. In the apostolic movement, we are too guilty of throwing people on the trash heap of human failure. Because we saw human weakness begin to shine through. I just want to tell you about human weakness. God will allow enough of our human weakness to shine through so he can do something in our life. I heard somebody make this statement. I read it somewhere. It said, God will never use a man that he cannot embarrass. That's a powerful statement. Can God embarrass you and you still live for him? You can still work for him? Let me tell you about weaknesses whenever they're exposed. They do one of thing, two things. They allow the man or they cause the man to surrender. Like the apostle Peter and run out and find a place and weep bitterly. And then rise up with the power of Christ on him. And go to Pentecost and preach the greatest message of all time. Hallelujah. Or that same human weakness can be exposed and cause a man to go out and hang himself. And be destroyed of his own hands. What are you saying, Brother Bass? I'm saying there's some things we need to leave in the hands of God. Come on now. Before you go getting on the telephone and you want to tell everybody about a weakness in a preacher you've just seen, maybe you want to stand by for a while and find out whether or not God is trying to do something in that man's life. He may come out of that experience a marked man. He may come out of that experience a man that everybody, that many people know what he's gone through, but he comes out with a blessing. He comes out with the power of God. He comes out with an anointing upon his life. Come on, saint of God. You may be riding down the road with somebody and their weakness might be exposed before your very face. Before you start running your mouth about them, you ought to say, God, I don't know what's going on in that life, but if you're trying to do something that's going to make that life better, I want you to know I'm behind it 100%.
Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The flood is over. Moses, sorry, Noah, has planted a vineyard and he gets drunk. Ham goes in and sees his daddy in the condition. He sees leadership in a state of weakness. We don't have the fullness in Scripture of what happened, but we do know this. Whatever Ham did brought a curse on him and his son Canaan. Are you with me? I don't know what all, I just know this. That whatever he did, God didn't like it. Shem and Japheth take a blanket and they walk backward. And they covered their daddy's nakedness. And God said, I'm going to bless you boys. You can take this for whatever it's worth. You can say whatever you want to say about it. Judge me however you... It doesn't matter to me today because I'm going to tell you, I'm in the fire. Hallelujah. I'm a marked man. And I'm going to tell you now, all I want is the power of Christ. Hallelujah. And I'm just going to tell somebody here today, if you've come face to face, if you have come face to face with a human weakness, amen, understand, it may not be over. That may just be God letting some things shine through so that man can say, God, I just want you to know, I just want you to know, I'm glorying, I'm glorying, God, I'm taking pleasure, I'm taking pleasure in weakness, I'm taking pleasure, God, in infirmities, I'm taking pleasure in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and in distress for when I'm weak then am I strong I stand I'm finishing when Jacob are you hearing me church when Jacob came across that brook he was dragging that leg Marked but blessed. Marked but a new name. When he got, he met folks that knew something's different. Something's happened. They know that Jacob, when he went on the other side of that brook, had full use of both legs. But now he's coming out on the other side. Has it ever occurred to you that the reason why Joseph was the way he was is because he was like four or five years old when they came back from Laban's house? And it was in the course of that journey that Jacob was changed because God knew, I'm going to need a Joseph in Egypt. And I can't get that Joseph with this man the way he is. He come almost shut up behind. So I'm going to have to mark this man. And I'm going to have to put him through it. And change him. Because you see, Joseph was not raised by the old Jacob. He was raised by Israel. Joseph was raised by Israel. A man who understood and recognized faith in God confidence in God trust in God hallelujah why was Benjamin so important why was Joseph so important because they were the children of a man who had been marked and they became as you know the first, the born, the, the, the blessing of the firstborn didn't go to Reuben. It went to the sons of Joseph, Ephraim. Don't tell me God doesn't know what he's doing. Wherever you are in your life today, wherever you are in your ministry, wherever you are in your walk with God, God knows exactly what he's doing in your life. And what God wants to know is will you hold on long enough? For me to give you a blessing. So there were people that knew Jacob before, and they saw 
the limp. But there were a lot of people in his future that just thought Jacob had always been this way. They didn't know any different. There's going to be people that will know what your weaknesses are. And they will see how you've overcome them. But there'll be others that will never have a clue. What are you saying, Brother Bass? I'm saying, hold on. Hold on. Because if there's folks... If there's folks that know and they don't want anything to do with you, don't worry about it. There'll be folks that don't know that will embrace what God has done in your life. I'm through. And I've probably preached too long here this afternoon, but I preached my heart. And I'm going to take a little liberty here. And I'm just going to ask the saints, if you will remain where you are. I know you want to come and pray, but I feel such a burden today in the Holy Ghost. Because you see, so often it's the preacher that God works on and works with because he wants to birth some Josephs in the congregation. He wants to bring some Ephraims and he wants to do some great things in the future. And sometimes it's the preacher who fights and struggles with where he's at. I want to give somebody some hope. I want to give a preacher some hope here today. If you're struggling, if you're flesh, if you've come face to face with your flesh and you feel God dealing with it, turn it over to him. And just get your, get your arms on God and say, I'm not turning you loose until this thing is done the way you want it done. And I'm just going to ask the ministry today. And in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it a step further because so often that wonderful pastor's wife has to walk the same road that her husband does. She's got to watch like Job's wife watched. And sometimes she may not even fully understand what God's trying to do. I'm going to ask you, if you will, preachers and your wife, just fill up this front here if you want. I feel like the Holy Ghost is wanting some folks around here to say, you know what? God, if I have to be marked by my experience, then God... Mark me. I don't mind being marked, but I want you to bless me. I want you to bless me. I want to come out of this with the power of Christ resting upon me. While they're singing, just let the Holy Ghost touch us. Just let the Holy Ghost help us. Let the Holy Ghost lay his hand on us right now. Oh Lord, Holy Ghost, if you must, Marcus, but bless us. Bless us. Bless us. Let us come out, God, with the power of your Spirit upon us. We need revival. We need to birth some Josephs. We need to rear some Josephs. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we need the help of the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's lift our voice. Come on, preacher, saints, all the saints, would you reach out your hands toward the ministry? Would you pray? I know many of you may be going through things. I know you may be struggling with areas in your life. 
reach up to heaven let God touch you right now but in the midst of that reach out toward the ministry reach out toward the preachers let the Holy Ghost help us today what a difference he wants to make what a difference God wants to make hallelujah come on preacher you may feel like you don't deserve to be going through what you're going through right now you may feel like you don't deserve it that you can argue for all the reasons why you shouldn't be doing it but I'm telling you right now the Holy Ghost to help you the Holy Ghost to help you because God's going to reach inside of you and bring something out greater Lift your voice, lift your voice all over the house. Lift your voice. Let's pray one for another. Pray one for another. Pray one for another. Let the Holy Ghost help us. If you know of a preacher and his wife that are struggling, they're going through a trial. No, preacher, don't do that. Don't expose it. Don't expose it. No. Hey, we need one another. Come on, let's take, let's take, let's take the facades down. Let's take the facade down. Let's take, let's get the mask off today. Come on, get the mask off. (laughs) Come on, brother, get the mask off. Hallelujah. Help us, Jesus. Let's sing it together, everyone. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. 